Have you ever felt just in the motions of the holidays? Of course, you look forward to the presents and spending time with family, but it feels like Christmas is just missing something. Your church talks about remembering the true meaning of Christmas, but you hear the same story every year about the angels, Mary and Joseph, the wise men, and it just kind of feels like extra noise. When you were a kid, Christmas was magical. There was something truly special about that time. The idea of Santa coming down the chimney, flying through the whole world in one night, the magic of the incredible gifts that you'd find laid out on Christmas morning. It was all special and felt incredible. Now, it's still a great season. It's just a little less magical. Maybe occasionally you find yourself asking the question, is there anything really special about Christmas? Is there more to the Christmas story that really means something for my life? I'm Josh Cave, and I've asked these exact same questions. In fact, I've spent my entire life asking questions, and those questions have led me to a lot of study and even earning a bachelor's degree in Bible and theology. Today, I'm joined by my wife, Molly Cave, as we discuss Christmas from a new light. And I believe that there are some parts of the story that we've overlooked as we've told it over and over. And those parts of the story might just change your life. Before we get into that, let's cue the music. Welcome to the After Youth Podcast, where we answer the most challenging questions asked by every Christian young adult. Let's dive in. So in talking about Christmas and getting into this Christmas episode, I feel like a good way to start this out is what's the worst Christmas present that you can think of? So I remember when I was like, I think I was like nine or 10, I was at a Christmas get together with my family and somebody, I don't know if she asked for this or what, but somebody got my aunt a scale for Christmas. (laughs) And to me, like, that's just, (laughs) that's so rude. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I would never want, like, that just, like, that's a reminder of what you don't want to <laughs> be reminded of. <laughs> well, especially at Christmas, like you go home and use the scale for the first time. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm 10 pounds more than I was before I left. <laughs> yeah. <Thanks> like, <laughs> like, if I got a sweater for Christmas, every time I wore it, I would be like, oh, this is great. This was a Christmas present from somebody that I love dearly. But if I use the scale every day and it's not a happy response. <laughs> Like muttering about them under your breath. Yeah. I can't believe they got me this Christmas present. <laughs> oh, and the best part was they actually pulled the scale out and everybody started weighing themselves. And of course, at 10 years old, I'm already like a girl with a body complex issue. And so I'm like, I don't want to get on that scale. And all my cousins are like, come on, you know, <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> but one time for me, I gave my brother a beard growing kit and, um, and it's like, that sounds like a halfway decent Christmas present. But at the time, he could grow like no beard at all. Oh. So I think he was half embarrassed, but like half like okay with it at he the was same thankful time. thankful for it, yeah. but you know. <laughs> Ironically, like he's got this long beard yeah. now, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how all that happened. Maybe it was the kit. <laughs> yeah. It's, he's been using it for the last like six years. <laughs> the thing about like 
the scale and the Christmas present I got for my brother, like those are both like, like they could be seen as decent gifts, but at the same time, they're very humbling gifts. Like if somebody were to give you a weight loss book, you're like, <laughs> well, well, now I know that everybody thinks I'm overweight, you know? <laughs> like I know I needed it, but I didn't know you know I needed it. <laughs> as I was looking at the Christmas story in kind of a different light, I was going through a book by Timothy Keller. And he talks about kind of the same idea where we always talk about the birth of Jesus being the greatest Christmas present, you know, of all time. That was the greatest Christmas present. But he actually brings up a different idea where in the same way that the scale and the beard growing kid are humbling, Jesus coming to earth was very humbling for all of mankind. The reason being is because take weight loss, for instance. We feel like we can probably fix it on our own. You know, we can, we kind of know what to do. We work out, we eat right, we do all these things. We feel like we can handle it. And in the same way in life, we felt the same way. Mm-hmm. We, we, we felt like we could make ourselves right with God. Like maybe we weren't all that bad. You know, even in the time of Jesus's day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they felt that way. They felt like, like they could make themselves right with God, like they could still handle it. And um, so the idea of Jesus coming down, even though for some it was really great, for others it was very humbling. Like the idea of we can't get ourselves out of this mess. Mm -hmm. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve sinning that first time, and then that sin all throughout the generations, they, they gave sacrifices, they did all the right things, they followed the law for God. And a lot of the religious leaders felt like they they were doing okay. Like we're honoring God. We're living the life God's called us to live. We're following the law. We're doing all the right things. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus coming along totally threw a wrench in all of that. Because Jesus, God coming down as Jesus showed that we couldn't fix it. We had to have that sacrifice. God had to come into our broken, terrible world and redeem us. Uh, quoting Timothy Keller from his book, Hidden Christmas, he states, There's never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a moral and good life. So I guess you could say like, well, this is an amazing gift. Like I am so thankful for this gift. It's kind of a jab at my pride. Like yeah. you can't do it without me. <laughs> and that that's exactly what it is. And throughout Jesus's life, you can see in the gospels that there were, there were really two kinds of people in Jesus's life. There were people who loved him, and there were people who hated him. And there was there was no middle ground at all. You could go through every single person that Jesus met, and there was nobody that was like, Jesus is a cool guy. He was the epitome of a polarizing figure, because if Jesus was truly who he said he was, and the Son of God come down to save the world, if he was really that, then you either had to humble yourself and say, Jesus, I need you, or you said, you're wrong. That's not who you are. And uh, and I reject what you're trying to come and say. And so there was no middle ground. And so 
I mean, just like you said, like Jesus was a challenging gift. You either loved him or you hated him for what he came to say. And I think a lot of times we go through the Christmas story, and for me, I didn't think about that a whole lot. I didn't think about Jesus coming down challenges me as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of us, we grow up hearing the Christmas story around this time, Luke chapter one and two, over and over and over. And we miss out on the fact that, you know, how powerful it is, how humbling it is that God had to come down because we were that messed up. The world was truly that broken. Yeah. And I think, you know, like most Christian or most people that grew up Christians or in a Christian household, they hear that story so much. You're either in a Christmas program, it's, yeah. it's the Christmas, the children's Christmas lesson for the year. You're hearing it over and over and over, and it becomes less of a, a real uh, or a real retelling of an actual historical event. To this is the Christmas story that we have cute little characters, cartoon characters, all that stuff, and so we forget. Like it's so cheesy, but the real meaning of Christmas, like what what it all boils down to. Yeah, almost like, almost like hearing the, the story of Santa Claus mm-hmm. every year, where, it's like oh, it's it's almost like just a, just a traditional thing that you talk about every year, mm-hmm. rather than looking at, the story of Christmas and being like, you know, this really applies to my life. Yeah, there's been no other story in the history of the world that applies to our lives more than the story of Christmas, the yeah. story of Jesus, the son of God, God himself coming down to save us. And a lot of times, like you said, we just kind of go through the motions mm-hmm. of Christmas and we don't think about what it truly means, what it really means for, for our lives. And so I hope as we continue talking about this, that we can really see like this story matters and it matters for my life now. Yeah. One of the interesting things that I found was actually in talking about the story of Mary before Jesus was even born. And we talk about Mary having this incredible great faith, right? And uh, for me, I've always looked at her like, I just felt like she accepted everything right off the bat. She's just good with it. And to me, that just seems crazy unrealistic because if something like that happened now i'd be like totally completely thrown off my game like what do you mean (laughs) that doesn't make any sense like like that's not how stuff works (laughs) not in the plan (laughs) you got the wrong person you went married down the road (laughs) yeah for real and what we actually find in the story is that mary had questions and doubts and so i want to look at that a little bit here in luke chapter 1 verse 29 It states that after the angel had appeared, Mary was confused and disturbed. She should be. (laughs) Wondering what it all could mean. I think this word wondering, like our translation isn't very good. And so that word actually means to audit. And so she's doing this calculation in her mind of like, like, how does this work? Could this actually be true? Like, is there any chance that any of this could be real? And so she was literally questioning the entire thing. In Luke one thirty four, after the angel finally tells her that she's going to give birth, she says, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Like, <laughs> well, hey, buddy, 
I'm missing the one thing that it requires to have a baby. <laughs> and so she has these big questions. Like she doesn't just jump to, okay, well, this is great. Like, praise God, because she's running through her head the same things that, that anybody else would. If, if something like that happened to us right now, I would be sitting there thinking like, crap, but we've got to save money. We've got to build a nursery. We've got to do all these things. And we're married. Yeah. Because it's a completely different ball game if we were engaged. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you come to me like, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm like, well, <laughs> bye. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she was worried about that. She was worried about what Joseph was going to do, how we're going to tell my parents, all these different things that we never think about going through this story. And then in this one moment with the angel, she shows how she really felt like this doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't, I don't understand how all this could happen. And at the, at the end of the verses, she talks with the angel. The angel explains kind of what's going on. And she says at the end, well, let it be done like you've said. And I think we take that as a real, it is a very big step of faith. Mm -hmm. But it's not to the extent of, thank God this is happening to me. And what we see later on is that it wasn't until she meets with Elizabeth and John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb that we finally see Mary really accept what is happening to her. Not just accept it, but fully embrace it, wrap her arms around it. And so she, she sings this incredible song about how awesome it is that God is working in her life like this. But up until that point, I think we can safely assume that she wasn't just overly thrilled about it. She was accepting of it. She was like, if this is your will, I'm good with it, but I think it's not until this point that she's like, this is incredible. This is truly a miracle. So, and, you know, we've been told before that most believe that she was a 14-year-old girl. So, you're going through all this and telling me that this 14-year-old girl just didn't absolutely, right off the bat, <laughs> believe that, she, or, you know, understand how this was going to happen. Yeah. But through... God's guidance and stuff. She, she was like, yeah, let it, whatever you want, let it happen. So what does that mean for us? Yeah. I think what we can see in this is that it's okay to question God sometimes. And that's not to say that we do it out of a hateful spirit or out mm -hmm. of whatever, but it's okay to have questions and to not fully understand the whole plan of how everything is going to work out. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you believe in Santa Claus and, you know, you don't have all the answers. If you believe in Santa Claus, like you, you ask your parents, like, like, how does he get to all the houses? Everybody asks that. Yeah. And they're like, well, it's magic. Well, it's this. And everybody, every parent has different answers and none of them truly make all the sense in the world. Yeah. <laughs> but. You don't have to have all the answers to believe because you you get the good things out of it. You get the presence. And so you're like, well, I might not understand it all, but I'm going to keep believing. And the same way with our relationship with God, we don't have to have all the answers to believe. Sometimes it takes that, that step of faith to truly walk with God and let God open your eyes and show you things. It's the, the psalm that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
and you're like, I don't have all the answers. It doesn't all make sense, but I'm going to take this little taste. And then you walk with God and he starts to show you that he's faithful and he's good and all these things. And you get answers to some of those difficult questions. And then you keep walking and then you're like, man, I want all of God. And that's the same thing we see with Mary is she's like, okay, well, I'm going to accept this. I'm just going to, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to taste and see what happens. And then she walks with God and she gets some answers to her questions. And then she sees how good a thing this is and she totally embraces it. And so I think you see the parallels in our lives where um, we don't have to have all the answers. It's okay to have some doubts. It's okay to question some things, but it's really, it's really about our heart. Because Mary said, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't all make sense, but I, I'm going to position myself humbly before God. And so God understands doubts. He understands questions. It's just a matter of how we are going to position ourselves. So to kind of change gears a little bit here, what does it mean when we say Jesus is Emmanuel? Jesus being Emmanuel for me, I, I kind of felt like I overlooked that personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about it, but as I read through this book by Timothy Keller, one thing really s- stood out to me. He talked about Jesus as Emmanuel, what that means for our lives. He states that there are three ideas in Emmanuel. He is God, he is human, and he is with us. And you look at people in the Old Testament like like Abraham, Moses, who who sought after the face of God. If you asked any one of those those Old Testament fathers and you said, Hey, God is with us, there's this baby that is God. God came down in the form of a baby and you can talk to him, you can be around him, you can look on his face, you can touch him. Can you imagine the response you would get? For Moses, he said, that's what I was looking for my entire life is to have that experience with God where I could be that mm-hmm. close to him. And I think for me, like I took that idea for granted. We, we talk about the Bible story, Jesus, he did all these cool things, and we just go through the motions of the whole idea. And I think we have to take a step back and see that this is really a miracle. This whole thing is the greatest miracle of all. All the things that Jesus did, healing the blind, healing the lame, casting out demons, all those things. And the greatest miracle that ever happened was God came down as a man. And so I, I think we need to remind ourselves what it truly means. I think for me, and maybe for some others too, we didn't entirely grasp the idea that God literally came down as a man. And that is the greatest miracle. If, yeah. if God can do that, he can literally do anything. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think if we can understand that, then it changes the way that we pray. Oh, yeah. and, that, and that's really what I, what I want to get at in this point here, is that if, if God came down, broke everything that, that we understand, he broke that for the fact of sending Jesus to come and live a life as a man. If God can do all that, he can literally do anything, and that should change the way that we approach prayer. God, if, if you can come down as a man, you can certainly fix what I'm going through. God, if you came down as a man, there's nothing in the world that's impossible. Mm-hmm. The laws of physics are 
no problem for you. You know, the difference between the heavens and the earth are no problem for you. If you want it done, it can happen. And so I, I want that to be an encouraging factor because it was for me that if this greatest miracle really did happen and if, if we needed to, we could go through how we, how we know that Jesus was truly God by, by the prophecies through the things that he did and through, um, through his life. I believe that we could show that. But if that's true, if Jesus was truly God, and he came down from heaven. It is the greatest miracle of all time, and it should allow us that freedom to pray big prayers, to believe that God can literally do anything. Mm-hmm. We're able to talk with him and ask for the things that, that we need. We don't have to go through a priest. We're seen as righteous before God. And like right now, you know, I'm reading through Le- Leviticus, and it's taken me a while, <laughs> let me just be honest with you there. And to hear all the steps that they had to take yeah. and to know that. I, all I have to do is say, Hey, Jesus, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I'm sorry for what I did. Forgive me. Or can you help me with this? Like, at least give some guidance, something like that. Like, I can talk to him like a friend and just be honest with him. And I don't have to go through all of these steps. And, you know, like you said, like all those steps and go through a priest and everything and have to go, like, they were talking about being unclean for several days and going through this process. Like, Jesus made me clean. (laughs) So Josh, to wrap things up and tie a pretty bow on it for Christmas, what would you tell the person that is, they've got stuck in the hustle and bustle of Christmas. I've got to get this person a gift, this person a gift. Oh my goodness. The money's racking up. The presents are racking up. I'm losing time. And they've just, they've gotten, they've lost sight of Christmas. What would you tell that person? I think the biggest thing is to take a step back and to breathe for a minute. Because Christmas is busy. We've all got stuff going on. But truly, if we miss the value of what this Christmas story really means, that I feel like we've really missed the mark. If we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle and doing all the things that really aren't that important, you know, it's just a it's just a check on a to-do list, really. The most important thing that we can gain from Christmas time is stepping back and just Reliving that Christmas story, asking the question, how can this apply to my life? And yeah, I felt the same way. I get frustrated with the hustle and bustle of Christmas. And Molly can attest, I've tried to pitch for very few Christmas presents, (laughs) if any at all. Not because I hate Christmas presents, but just because we all have everything that we need. Can we just, can we just make this about family and about God? Throw all the other stuff to the side. You know, we'll enjoy the Christmas trees and the, and the lights and all this stuff, but like, can we just focus on what matters? But I think we can all step back and we can we can humble ourselves by this Christmas story. And I hope for people who have lost sight of what Christmas is really about and the joy of what it truly means. I just want to encourage you that over the next few days, just step back and read the Christmas story again. Read it to yourself. You know, Don't read it for three or four people. Just read it for you. Ask God to show you what it truly means for your life. Because he might just show you something that could change the way you pray. That it could change the way you you look at Christmas. And maybe it could change your life. And so I hope that this Christmas season, what we've talked about here, and, and what hopefully you find through reading the Christmas story again, I hope that you can see Christmas in a new light. You know, that there there is maybe more to the story than what we what we share in a 
in a five-minute reading of Luke chapter 1. Thank you guys for joining us. Next week, there will be no episode. We're going to take the week off and just enjoy some time with family. So thank you guys for being with us in 2022. We're excited for the new things to come in 2023. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. To keep up with everything we have going on and get updates, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The After Youth Podcast or on Instagram and Twitter at After Youth Pod. If you enjoy the content we put out, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. This helps us reach more people with what we're trying to do and we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening every week, and we will see you again next Friday.